Welcome to Trending in Education. This is Mike Palmer. I'm excited to report that I'm recording this from Austin, Texas. You'll be picking up a little bit of natural sound, or as we like to call it, mat sound, including some landscaping, maybe some birds, and a little bit of the breeze. It's a beautiful day. South by Southwest EDU is about to happen. And I'll be recording a session with my wife, Dr. Robin Naughton, the co-founder of Escalera, Dr. Talanda Tolbert, and the author of How to Get the Most Out of College, and also the host of the How to Get the Most Out of College podcast, Elliot Felix. Each of us chose four trends. You're going to hear them shortly. They are part of the panel that we'll be doing today, but they're also something you can listen to right now. We're going to run through them quickly with Nancy, who, powered by ChatGPT, ran a simulation and announced a winner. As a special treat, we'll also be resharing my interview with Ron Reed and Greg Rosenbaum from back in 2019 when I first attended South by Southwest EDU. We're going to give all of that to you. You'll hear more in coming weeks once we capture and process everything that we learned down here. Thanks again to Ron Reed and Greg Rosenbaum, who are the guys who run South by Southwest EDU. It's an amazing conference. I certainly recommend it to folks. If you can make it out here, you should. Also, Liz Stein does a fantastic job on the PR and media relations side. Check it out, South by Southwest EDU. Check us out, Trending in Ed, everywhere you get your podcasts. And with that, I'm bringing Nancy in. Nancy, welcome back to Trending in Education. Thanks, Mike. Always happy to be here. Really excited to be with you for South by Southwest EDU. I hope you and family have an illuminating time. Absolutely. It's going to be amazing. As I have mentioned to some folks, we are here with our four-year-old, which is an entirely different lens to think about the future of education and the conference experience and really just putting your life into context. More on that in subsequent shows. Like I mentioned at the top, we're going to keep this super brief, but with the help of ChatGPT and you, Nancy, we're about to run a simulation of the March Madness brackets where we will name a winner. So not only will our listeners hear the trends, you'll see them on our website if you visit us at trendinged.com. I'll also be sharing stuff on LinkedIn and Twitter. All the channels that we have will be talking about this stuff. But rather than spend a lot of time talking about that, let's cut right to the chase. Nancy, I'd love it if you could run for us a simulation of our March Madness Brackets 2023 down at Austin. Love and life. Thanks for your help. Sure thing, Mike. Here we go. Welcome to the Learning Trends March Madness Simulation. After a thrilling tournament, we have reached the championship round, where the best two trends will battle it out for the title of champion. In the quarterfinals, we had some exciting matchups. Learning in the flow of work beat the user-centered library due to its high potential for impact on employee productivity and knowledge retention. Consumer-grade learning experiences won against Gen AI due to its potential to deliver engaging and user-friendly learning experiences. Identity, affinity spaces beat hybrid work, learn due to their potential to create safe and inclusive spaces for learners. Durable human skills won against ChatGPT due to their potential to equip learners with timeless and universally applicable skills. In the semifinals, learning in the flow of work beat consumer-grade learning experiences due to its potential to integrate learning seamlessly into everyday work activities, and its high potential for impact on employee productivity and knowledge retention. 
Durable human skills beat identity, affinity spaces due to their potential to equip learners with timeless and universally applicable skills needed to succeed in an ever-changing world. And now, for the moment we've all been waiting for, the championship game. Learning in the flow of work faces off against durable human skills. In a closely contested matchup, learning in the flow of work emerges as the champion due to its potential to integrate learning seamlessly into everyday work activities, improve employee productivity, and enhance knowledge retention. There we have it. Learning in the flow of work is the champion of the Learning Trends March Madness simulation. Thank you for joining us. We hope these trends will continue to shape the future of the learning industry. Great stuff. Thank you, Nancy. And now for some bonus content, I'm including my original interview with Ron Reed and Greg Rosenbaum, the guys who run South by Southwest EDU. This is back in 2019 during the conference. We hope you enjoy. Welcome back to Trending in Education. Mike Palmer here. Very happy to be joined by Greg Rosenbaum and Ronald Reed from South by Southwest EDU. Welcome, gentlemen. Oh, happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. We had the opportunity to do a live taping of our podcast at the Expo stage yesterday, and we just had a blast. We've been having an amazing time here at South by Southwest EDU. I kind of wanted to go through some of the origin story of South by Southwest EDU. Storytelling is a theme we're seeing really throughout the conference. So I wonder if uh, between the two of you, you could maybe let us know how this whole thing got started. Sure. First of all, again, real, really happy to be visiting with you. And Greg and I both started with South by Southwest to launch the EDU conference. And so we probably each have some contribution to the origin story. For my part, long time Austinite, went to high school here, the University of Texas grew up here, have attended South By. In fact, my best friend in high school is the guy who founded South By Southwest, the music portion, the original piece of it. And he continues to as the CEO today of the of the organization. So as Roland was growing South by Southwest music and grew into multimedia, which expanded into the film and the tech conference. He and I had been talking for like 20 or 25 years. Is there anything we could do with this brand in the education sector? And it was kind of appealing, but I just didn't really see it very clearly. And then 2008, 2009, a big recession, public ed funding shrank a bunch. And so I started talking to Roland about, you know, if folks don't have the resources to do what they've always been doing, then they might need to do things differently. And so maybe there's a little bit of an opportunity to have a conversation about South by and EDU education again. So we started dreaming and scheming on it, had the good fortune of posting up a couple of education systems at the South by Main conference and got a tremendous response and were smart enough to go out and hire Greg to help us <laughs> build South by Southwest uh, EDU. So our first event in 2011 was really a, a Texas regional event. We partnered with the education agency for the state who had a big initiative they wanted to celebrate. And we thought it provided a nice vehicle to launch a conference and then quickly kind of ran and grew it in other areas as opposed to being a regional state conference. But then Greg is now functioning as general manager and is really overseeing the growth and the development of the program in those years since. And how about that that aspect of the story? I know Austin itself, especially if you're going all the way back to the, the 70s. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm super old. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> but I'm sure you could tell some stories about how Austin has changed over the years and how South by Southwest has really changed changed Austin, but having, you know, begun with a regional conference, EDU spinoff of South by Southwest, what's it been like in this, I guess, nine-year run, right? This is your ninth year of doing the conference. 
Greg, I don't know if you uh, have some some color to add. Yeah, sure. So initially it was finding the community, right? And South by Southwest known for music, film, interactive technology, maybe less so for education. So finding your community locally was sort of a great place to start. But we always had aspirations of translating South by Southwest for the education community in a truly South by Southwest manner. And so the last nine years has been built to to encapsulate what South by Southwest is, which is a conference and festival. So you'll notice at the event now we have a film, a series of film screenings we do. We've done for the last seven years. We do a series of competitions dedicated to early stage startups, physical design and learning. We have an expo. We have all these pieces that we call our festival elements in addition to a really large scale conference. And the other thing that's been really interesting to grow over the last nine years has been the audience. And South by Southwest is known as convergence zone for technology and music and film. And so We've done that with an education by spanning the full learning life cycle, everything from early learning through K-12, higher education, and adult learning workforce development issues, and then really looking to bring together all the disparate stakeholders, which when we started this conference nine years ago was somewhat unique in the landscape of education conferences, which typically focus on the middle school science teacher conference or the high school principals conference, which are all wonderful experiences. And we're just trying to create a complementary experience for that community. Yeah. We talk a lot about uh, diversity and inclusion, which is a big part of the themes that Ed Surge article we were talking about, where they pulled all the metadata from South by Southwest. <laughs> yeah. Very cool stuff. But it does seem like even from an educational perspective, you're sampling from a wide array of inputs. You're actually trying to almost create surprising collisions where like somebody who's here for workforce development winds up connecting with a, a K through five educator. And like those kinds of connections seem to be a really interesting part of, of what you've built here. Who typically comes to South by Southwest EDU? And then who in a perfect world would you like to see more of? Well, Greg's got the stats down, so I'll defer to him uh, on that. But I, I think at a higher level, uh, again, maybe to reiterate something Greg shared, I, I think our vision, and I spent a lot of time in the K-12 marketplace, and it, it, it always seemed very siloed to me, to Greg's point, very role-specific convenings, and the chasm between K-12 and higher ed was just humongous, uh, just different communities. And so that always felt unnecessary and unwise at a high level. And so again, adapting that convergence zone mentality of put all the stakeholders in the room together and, and see what happened felt really appropriate for the brand. And it seems like it's really resonated well with the community at large and again, great growth. And so I'll let, I'll let Greg hit the highlights for you, but the diversity of community is something that we think a lot about and feel is a real distinctive element of you, what we try to do. As a participant, you do feel it. I love that. I love that. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So we've gone from 800 to 8,000 in, in our first eight years in terms of registration growth and participation at the event annually. And one of the things that's been interesting is by year two or year three, we had sort of established the different communities that were coming in large groups. So classroom practitioners, be them early learning, K-12 higher education practitioners, administrators, business leaders, foundations and nonprofits, policymakers. We started seeing those crop up in very similar percentages makeups of the community. So we'd see more like 40, 45% from the administrator and classroom practitioner bucket. We'd see another 30% from business and industry and another 25% from government, nonprofit, foundation, and student participation. And we've actually seen that kind of maintain as the audience has grown. And so we see maybe a similar level of growth as we move forward. But the point is that we've tried to create an open tent here 
and really create a space for anyone to come engage. There are a lot of education stakeholders out there. There's no need to limit the bounds of that. And we're actually doing something this year for the first time, which is building a summit on the last day of South by Southwest EDU, which is the day before South by Southwest kicks off, where we're actually bridging the gap between the education community and the sort of talent pipeline workforce development community that's at the technology convening is those executives think about what they need from a talent perspective. And we think about how are we developing that talent? The educational side of that conversation is really interesting from an EDU perspective. And so we're creating a series of programs around that on Thursday that are open not only to EDU registrants, but also South by Southwest registrants to kind of have another layer of convergence in the context of EDU. Yeah, I love the idea of a convergence zone and those sort of happy accidents. Like you run into somebody, you begin to spark up a conversation. We were talking to folks from uh, the Aspen Institute earlier today and the phenomenal keynote the other day, but just started a sort of casual conversation that wound up lasting 45 minutes. And uh, <laughs> it's just, it's the dynamics are, there's like a feeling, there's like a cultural experience of being here. It also seems very much, you know, even your percentages talk to this, it does seem very much really about the teachers. So like, it's about everything, obviously, and it's inclusive, but like, you definitely get a feel that there are the actual, the makers, the doers, the front lines of delivering educational experiences really across across our country, across the world. So, you know, we're a trend spotting education show. It's, it's right in the name. Any general thoughts about trends you're seeing around teachers and around uh, their needs and what's emerging there? Yep. And maybe we'll tag team it again sure. and I'll give a little higher, higher level. And, and, and Greg's done a lot of look-see uh, uh, and the whole team, uh, uh, the programming attributes that come that the community brings us and so forth. But I think at a high level, as we talk about sort of the growth of the community, I think one, one of the things that we're observing is just when we launched eight years ago was really a conversation mostly about the structures and systems of school. And the conversations were a lot about the school day. And so... You know, eight, nine years ago, it was Common Core, it was high stakes assessment and a lot of energy. And some of that certainly remains, but we see a growth in those topics now that we think of as more the intersection of culture and learning. And some of those we see on the program are like mindfulness and school safety and reality-based curriculum and strategies and so forth. So we're liking the evolution of the conversation about education to become more a discussion about learning. And when we think about learning, um, in that context, then I, we get really excited about the opportunities for it. Yeah, that's really interesting too. Something we've seen is like the power of the word learning. As edu education brings a little more of an institutional yeah. kind mm -hmm. of context where like learning and the learner is, is much more of a personal individual kind of experience. And then combining learning with sort of the community aspects of what you're driving at is something that we're certainly interested in. How about from your side, Greg, anything you're noticing around teachers? And then I think we'll probably spend a little time talking about ed tech. Uh, yeah, well, it's just a great transition because I think initially when we first started South by Southwest CDU, the first year was in partnership locally. I think as we grew from there to a national audience, I think it was a quick opportunity for folks that, from a technology background that were interested in South by Southwest to have this new forum. And so we had this new entrepreneur at tech community, very strong in 2012 and 2013. And now that we're entering our ninth year and coming to the close of a decade, we've seen the conversation around ed tech change a lot. It was about the new hardware, the tablet, then it turned into personalized learning, a delivery mechanism. And now what we're seeing, and I think part of the reason why educators are so prominent here, 
is it's about human-centered connection. And we're talking about social emotional learning, all these things that are about human to human contact, which is part of the value of being at a convening like South by Southwest EDU. So I think technology is now moving in a place where it's playing a more passive role. And it's about enabling the teacher's role in the classroom to be as prominent and effective with that one-on-one connection with students as possible. So the blended learning, project-based learning practices that allow teachers to move around in the classroom and kind of connect with different folks. Technologies that amplify that, I think, have risen to the top. And that's why artificial intelligence and some of these other big topics have a promise to further build technology around the connection between teacher and pupil. Which is still, at the end of the day, a very human dynamic. We talk a lot about the difference between technology-driven and technology-enabled innovation. And like, if you're, hey, there's robots, let's put robots in classroom. Okay, Okay, we're done. Like that, you guys probably saw that happening. And Ron, I know you've you've, you've spent years in- Over a long career. Yeah, yeah. uh, So many pendulum swings and and so forth. And in fact, we're really fond of talking about ourselves as an innovation event. And we like stuff that moves the needle, regardless of whether you plug it in or not. And so that's why we're excited to see the conversation about mindfulness and SEL become so prominent. It, it, it has, I think, a complement to the energy of technology in our lives to refocus. I think the other thing I'll share relative to, to, to Greg's observations about the human connection is we were kind of intentional in the early days of South by EDU to not lean too heavy into arts ed because we had a big music film and tech community. And we wanted to build our own community of, of educators in, in, in that respect. And so one of the things that we've enjoyed over the last few years is being able to grow more of that programming. So this year, number of performances on the program that sort of speak to, in fact, we were just chatting with some folks that went through a playwriting challenge. And and when you think of storytelling and engaging learners on it, it, there's a richness to the program, embracing arts that we're excited to get to it, always wanted to, but thought there was some prudence to growing our community in advance. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. And many of these themes appear in our March Madness bracket (laughs) as as well, which is also a a cool, cool connection there. So I think you guys touched a little bit on this, but just if we did want to geek out at all. Are there any technology things that are emerging that are capturing your imagination that you think are going to really transform, even if it is human-powered, human-powered, augmented with these new technologies that are emerging? Are there any of them that are um, definitely piquing your curiosity? You know, I'll, I, I don't know that this is going to be a great response to it, but I'm thinking about sort of a trending topic at this year's event. And just reflecting on its different portrayals across the context of the event. So when, again, from a culture and learning standpoint, a a little bit school safety begins to come to play. So all of a sudden we have a lot of conversation and content about that, which we're super excited to present and feel like it's terribly germane to the community that we serve. And some rather poignant elements of student voice as a driver on the school safety coming out of the Parkland experience as we were talking. I'm excited. I think it is tomorrow that Dan Rather's in conversation with David Hogg, the young student who launched uh, March for Our Lives. And as one example of student voice and agency, I think we had a session yesterday in our policy forum that was looking at the physical design of schools from a space and architecture. In fact, the American Institute of Architects were participants. And it's like, how lovely for that voice at an education event to lend perspective to that. Appreciating the, the probe was more specific to tech inventions in some respects. And 
again, to Greg's point, we're seeing a lot of fun things with AR and VR. And, and I think a lot of early explorations into where does this really fit and how does it really move? I think that, uh, again, the human connection and context of those topics gets really rich, rich, rich. Yeah, the, I hadn't even, I'm sorry, I missed that session. That's, that's like... <laughs> Tomorrow. <laughs> Tomorrow even but, but just the idea of thinking about the architecture, like the physical spaces in which education is happening, that's just a, that's a really rich area. And I actually am really happy for that response because I was just in some ways falling prey to that, that being a little too tech <laughs> in the mindset. But any thoughts on your side, Greg? Yeah, I'll lean into the tech, given right. the asset. <laughs> I think we've talked a lot about VR and AR as being prominent topics, and there's now this move to experience reality and how that's shifting. I think time will tell how that is adopted more broadly. So I think we're seeing really cool applications of it in, in bits and pieces, but not wide-scale application. But another number of big organizations are here like Unity and others that are sort of demonstrating the power and the prowess of it. And what's really interesting about a lot of the conversations we have about technology at the event here is that not only about the use of it in, in an educational platform, but how do you train students to be empowered to use that technology when they get to the point where they're developing games or they're developing experience reality or how are they doing blockchain or AI or other things that are going to be part of their professional world when they get out of school. It's interesting. We do a trending in education podcast and uh, winds up very often becoming a conversation about the future of work. And that space is just enormously interesting on a number of fronts because we don't really know what we don't know. Like what's exactly going to happen? Because like on the one hand, there's all the positive elements of technology, but then on the other hand, there's all the privacy and data security concerns that are raised. I was really struck by the, the feeling of community that you just experience by being here. I'm really curious, first off, great job by you guys to build that, but I'm curious about what happens with that energy after the conference ends? Like, how do we extend that beyond this moment in time where you're getting the, the additive value of everybody coming to this convergence point? Where does it go from there? How do you guys think about the rest of the year? Because I know planning this obviously is no small undertaking, but it does feel like, you know, it's almost like we're all activated from these inspirational keynotes and we're really ready to go forth and change the world. How do you guys think about the rest of the year? It's a great question. I think one that not just us, but, but many conference organizers think about how do you extend the, just the experience of something that lasts four days, but you spend the other 361 days of the year planning and working towards. We've tried a bunch of different things over the years, and it started from something that South by Southwest did in their 25th year, which was they did 25 parties in 25 different cities in like the six weeks before South by Southwest kicked off. And they were activating micro communities from their larger community, connecting people prior to the event and also convening people in smaller groups. And so something that's been core to our work for the last seven or eight years has been going to different communities and cultivating and activating meetups in those communities. And they're typically in conjunction with a cyclical calendar, the call for proposals, which we do as a community-fueled process. We open a panel picker, which will accept over 1,500 proposals and narrow that down into the four or 500 sessions you see at the event. And that's done through community voting and through an advisory board review and staff review as well. And bringing people together around that gives them a shared purpose and an opportunity to say, okay, we connected in March. We're seeing each other again in our own city. And we're saying, there's something that we're both doing that'd be really interesting to bring to the stage at South by and years and years of doing this, I think has really helped. And the other aspect of that is we've tried to virtualize 
that a little bit. And I think we have ways to go in building technology to support that. But we have a social network that connects attendees here through EDU Social. And so that community exists digitally for nine months of the year before we flip and start the next year's cycle. So there are a few things, but I think it's definitely something we spent a lot of time thinking about. Yeah. Any thoughts, Ron? Yeah, maybe a few. I think we we consider ourselves really privileged. Like we think of ourselves more as community organizers and event planners. We think about how do we bring the disparate folks here? How do we help make them feel welcomed and engaged and empowered? And so in, in that respect, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of the community experience that, 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 that comes together at EDU. And to Greg's point, you know, our sort of pursuit and chase of that throughout the year is something that, uh, that we really enjoy. We're also observing that, again, there's a fun observation, and, and I'm hopeful I haven't started this conversation earlier in the same uh, <laughs> podcast, but this notion of the tensions between systemic change and local engagements. And so, again, we can talk about big picture issues and opportunities, but we know at a community level, it looks and behaves very different to that community. It's a lot of what David Brooks was talking about with, with WEAVE. And so I think we're really intrigued with how to support local conversations that culminate at EDU and see that as just part of the grander continuum in some ways of trying to drive impact and community. Yeah, it make, makes a lot of sense. The old saw, think globally, act locally. You, you feel that nowadays. And I know there's a big year on the horizon. 2020 is next year. I'm doing, I'm checking my math. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, any thoughts on the year ahead? Like we're trying to, again, to throw more cliches at you. We try to skate to where the puck is going. Next year, there might be some interesting shots on goal. Any thoughts about uh, what's coming next? 2020 also marks the 10-year anniversary of South by Southwest EDU and a decade of developing community, doing panel picker, reflecting a decade's worth of data from that community sourcing of trends and topics. So I think what'll be interesting for us is not only to look forward, but also to do a retrospective look and see where have we come? What was the chasm that we crossed over the course of the last decade? And what does that mean for 2020 to 2030 and start projecting what that next decade means. And, and you know, Ron talked about it earlier, the change from sort of high stakes testing into a much more testing neutral sort of environment. And that all shifted from a policy standpoint. Every Student Succeeds Act also passed in this decade. And we're seeing some big policy changes that I think have long-term implications that will be fully realized when we get to 2020 and beyond. One that we haven't talked about has been the role of libraries in schools and in communities as community spaces, which has been a smaller topic here, but, but one we see trending moving forward. And, and ESSA passing led to a like, reinvigorated role for the librarian in the library within the school as a community convening space and a place for work and connection and not just reading and researching and writing, but all sorts of learning that could happen within that physical space. On a personal level, my wife is a li well, information scientist, yes, uh, yeah. librarian. <laughs> so, uh, so you scored, scored there. Nice job. <laughs> just real quick on the library front too. It's another, it reminds me of what you were talking about, Ron, too, just around just the physical design of those spaces. Like how do you design spaces that foster community rather than isolation is really interesting. You got my wheels turning. Forgive me, I have to jump on it as well because the new Austin Public Library is really a sight to behold. I think Time rated as one of the 100 great 
buildings on the planet or something. And it is certainly very cool, but their library director, Roosevelt Weeks, has become a good friend, was in fact the MC or one of the MCs for our design competition. So we would concur. We think libraries are really, really fascinating spaces and are just learning really interesting stories about the evolution of those spaces at a community level. Yeah. As we're wrapping up, parting thoughts, words of wisdom. Parting, parting thoughts, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Of I think maybe the, the two things I'll share, uh, having observed the space for a long time, is I'm really intrigued with this connection of mindfulness and technology. I don't think they're as dissimilar as I sometimes want to portray them. And so I, I do think a little bit about, uh, I think to a, a point that Greg made, technology's opportunity to empower the human connection rather than undermining it. Can we free more time for our educators to connect on that personal level as opposed to the earlier conversation of replacing those teachers, which I just don't see. So in that respect, I also think that while the mindfulness conversation is often directed to learners at this point, I think self-care for teachers is an increasingly an important topic that I think we'll see more on the program on and is a, a natural outgrowth of this attentiveness to uh, emotional and social health and, mm -hmm. and such with it. Yeah, for my part, I'd say a thought that came to mind earlier as we were talking about how do you extend the impact of South by Southwest CU beyond the four days is that there are things that we're doing to try and help cultivate that, but this community has energy and spirit of its own. And that I think one of the things that I hope people take away from the event is just in, empowerment. And I think our keynote this morning, Patrick Balua, who talked about founding a university in Ghana after spending some time at Microsoft and feeling a pull to go do something and starting with 30 students and growing it from there should feel very empowering that we all have an ability to kind of make that change we see. And so I hope from the stimulation that comes from this conference that it's just sort of emanating, not necessarily through things that we're directly connected with, but through things that are just happening more broadly. Amazing stuff with Ron and Greg back in the day. Hopefully we'll get them back on again soon. I think they're about due for a refrigerator magnet by this point. I wanna thank everyone for making this possible. Thanks to Ron, Greg, and Liz for putting this amazing conference together and allowing us to be part of it. Thanks to my fellow panelists, my wife, Dr. Robin Naughton, Dr. Talanda Tolbert, and Elliot Felix. We're going to have a blast today. Hopefully folks who can will join us. Also, shout out to my son, Matthew, and his grandma who joined us down here to make the family affair fully operational. It does take a village to raise a child. It takes a village to run a podcast and do live panels and do all the amazing things. Hopefully the trends piqued your interest. We'll be covering these topics and much more. If we left anything out, please let me know on LinkedIn or on Twitter or through any of the channels that are available to us. It's an amazing time to be thinking about the future of learning. We're excited to be there along for the ride with you. Please subscribe, tell your friends, do all the good things. We'll be back again soon. This is Trending in Education.